Hello, this is John Deke celebrating 25 years of The Very Young Composers, the program of the New York Philharmonic. The piece we're listening to is by 10-year-old Nama Rolnik. It's dedicated to refugees in the Middle East and all over the world. She calls it Keep Walking. This is scene 32, International Ventures in London and Israel. So, continuing our thrilling, awestruck, and somewhat scary expansion to the world's cultures, we now consider two locations abroad which, in their different ways, made lasting contributions to the VYC movement, that is, the UK and Israel. I wrote this following summary of our first visit to London, which resulted in a joint venture with the Future Band and the Very Young Composers in February of 2012. It was entitled, The Future Band and the VYC, A Partnership in the Making? This is a summary, not the whole report. (laughs) There is a sense in our profession that something truly eventful is happening worldwide in music education and children's creativity. So when Ted Whiprid and I saw that a side-by-side demonstration of early creative learning models might be possible at the Barbican in London during the Philharmonic's winter tour there, we made every effort to jump on it. Already an expansive showing of our Kids Own Live model was to be presented, taking advantage of the Barbican Center's broad, people-friendly lobby spaces. On top of this, Credit Suisse, as you remember, and its agreement with us had indicated that in an annual international learning overtures project, our Credit Suisse Very Young Composers project should be involved in some way as well. So, it happens that under the auspices of the Barbican Arts Center, a local children's creative model had been successfully developing, called the Future Band. Through Anna Rice-Wilson, the Barbican's Cross Arts producer, a connection between the Future Band's leaders and our VYC was made, and groundwork laid to run our models of the VYC's Kids' Own Live side-by-side with the Barbican's Future Band during the Philharmonic's residency in London. Oh, from the start, Detta Danford, Natasha Zilezinski, who are leaders of the Future Band, together with their patron saint, you might call him, Peter Renshaw. They agreed with us that to do a proper pilot demonstration of our techniques with children, a run-up time of at least a week or maybe two weeks would be needed. So, plans were made, preparations laid, We sent an introductory video of VYC Ideas, complete with two of our VYC Bridge Kids and New York Philharmonic musicians, and we received videos of future band activities in return. I requested a minimum of two London teaching artists, they call them not teaching artists, but music leaders, Anyway, and a maximum of eight children from varied London backgrounds and circumstances. They requested that I and my associates would take part in the future band, 
to which we, of course, enthusiastically agreed. I was fortunate to be accompanied by Richard Carrick and later by David Doc Wallace, two of our finest New York-based teaching artists and composers. The reality and results of this project were successful beyond our expectations. Rather than a side-by-side -side demo of two widely different creative learning models, what occurred was a collaborative synergy of the most vivid order. First of all, instead of just two local music leaders, we were blessed with eight of the finest, most dedicated participants. The professional musicians hired by the Barbican were not only first-class performers and sight readers, but fluent in jazz and improvisatory styles, and able and eager to get down with the children, not just to teach them about their instruments, but to listen to their ideas. Whoa! Our getting these musicians in sync with our ideas and us in sync with theirs took less than an hour to accomplish. So we got on with our plans. In short, the results were that the seven London VYC children composed and orchestrated music of great boldness and daring in wild and beautifully original styles. Two of them even conducted their own works and two more participated as performers therein, not a small accomplishment in itself. How was this all possible? Well, in my opinion, what happened, beyond the ubiquitous child's powers of creativity, was that they were positively powered by their experiences in the future band with Detta and Natasha. These British VYC kids were mostly members of the future band, a group of some 25 children with varying or even little musical backgrounds. We would do future band activities in the mornings, improvisations, games, mostly and in VYC activities in the afternoons. Observing these two brilliant women welcoming, warming, empowering, and learning from children, not just teaching them, was a pure inspiration to me, as well as it was to Richard and Doc. If all this sounds like heaven, well, in a way it was. In fact, the danger, if there is one of a project like this, is that you can't really just leave it's not fair to the kids themselves, for one thing. We have a responsibility to make sure that these children, once opened up, are cared for and at least kept in contact. As I've said so many times, we are not in this to produce splashy events. I'm really only interested in ongoing local and indigenous programs which will allow children to create and make the most of themselves, no matter what profession or walk of life they may eventually follow. What, then, to follow this? Well, for one thing, Peter Renshaw, who, as I mentioned, was a distinguished professor, author, and a founder of The Future Band, he was on hand during this week, and he has written that, and I quote, The shared chemistry of these groups just works. And he suggested that an action research project might be explored with the aim of creating a new paradigm that embraces the complementary perspectives of these two programs. 
Personally, I feel that if El Sistema is seen as a useful model for music education, why can't the collective creative voices of future band and New York's very young composers produce an equally valid, though different, model? Hmm. Thanks, Peter. Powerful words, those. Powerful thoughts about the power of children. In practical terms, my first step would be for Detta, Natasha, and crew to come here and participate in our school partnership program. I think a host of ideas and exchanges would flower. For one thing, a broadening of musical instruments and performance in our schools might be possible. For another thing, a closer relationship of the school partnership program and the very young composers might follow. After that, the next step would be hopefully for us to return to London to broaden our collective work at the Barbican. Back at the Barbican, as I say, in February of 2012, all you had to do was to take one look at the expressions on the faces of these children of the past week to realize the importance of this venture. There was Simone, there was Max, there was Karine, there was James, there was Kalina, there was Sam Jones, there was Karen, a totally diverse group of kids, stylistically, racially, ethnically. These works, as I say, were literally propelled by these kids' association and experience with improvising in the future band. And to this day, almost 10 years later, their music continues to resonate in my mind. I'm not kidding. Our collaboration included further activities together with the Future Band, also bringing Detta and Natasha over to New York to lead a couple of sessions with our bridge classes, as well as Ted, myself, and several teaching artists trying to establish a New York version of the Future Band in our own public schools. It was a great idea. The spirit was always willing, but the flesh, well, meaning the funding, namely, was weak. Well-intentioned and not without support, but well, later. But all was not lost. Listen, here is a good time to tell you about the idea of musical postcards. Musical postcards? Why? Well, because musical postcards are our primary avenue of cross-cultural musical connection. They are necessary if we want to make any headway towards our grand vision of a united nations of children communicating through this obvious musical language, namely uh, music. The original concept for musical postcards came to me back in 2009 when Philharmonic teaching artist Rachel Shapiro, observing how I was beginning to add an international dimension of the VYC, casually mentioned, so, John, you're beginning to work with kids in foreign countries, and you say you'd like them to communicate with each other somehow. So why don't you just have them write music to each other and call it musical postcards? Wait a minute, Rachel. What did you say? That's it. What a great idea. And so it was. Musical postcards were then exchanged between New York and Seoul, Korea, Venezuela, Wisconsin, and Denver. But in 2015, we were ready to launch a more ambitious version of the idea of musical postcards. 
That year, with the help of Ted in New York and Anna Wilson at the Barbican in London, we got five kids each from New York City and London who volunteered to follow through with a back-and-forth communication involving whatever means they wanted. Besides music, they could use written postcards, emails, file exchanges, graphic scores, art of any sort, poems, whatever. Not only that, but two of the New York City children, Mondriana and Graydon, came over with me to London for a week of joint sessions, parties, tours, and a concert. Prior to our trip over the pond, as they call it, to London, there were in fact many exchanges. What it taught me was that ordinary snail mail type communications between kids of this generation were difficult at best. This is in spite of the thrill, to me at least, of seeing an actual postcard or letter written or drawn in a child's hand. Eh. But what did seem to transfer fairly well were color drawings, either by hand or computer, and accompanied by handwritten melodies transmitted by email, which gave an insight to the life of each correspondent. So, as the time approached for us to travel to meet them, the communications flurried in their excitement. All ten kids bonded. Five from New York, five from London. And a Skype was arranged to connect the New York composers with their London counterparts. And parents joined in to facilitate the exchanges. Then we traveled, and there's no question that the project was a stunning success. Well, this was a lot of infrastructure. And despite the delightful success of it all, was difficult to maintain. Yes, we'd come a long way with musical postcards since that day in my talk with Rachel Shapiro. But the musical postcards idea needed something else. There was still far too much infrastructure and adult facilitation. The solution for this was to wait until the great pandemic of 2020. Now for a completely different part of the world from London and fundamentally contrasting culture and worldview. First of all, can anyone doubt the pivotal importance of a country like Israel? In 2015, the incomparable Richard Carrick went to Tel Aviv and began a series of very young composer classes at the Or Yehuda Academy, which had proven so successful that a national treasure of VYC music was beginning to emerge. And to this day, I don't just say that abstractly. Richard, or Rick, engineered a relationship with the director and composer Hannah Ayashvili there, and within a year, I felt ready to invite a group of Israeli kids to come to New York and create and exchange music with our New York City kids, much along the lines of our Tomodachi Fukushima exchanges of 2015 and 2016, which you will hear about in the next scene. The Israeli visit of 2017 was successfully accomplished on a truly shoestring budget. I was only able to arrange for a hostel-style hotel for them on the Upper West Side, for which I felt embarrassed, but our guests were good-natured travelers and all went well. There were seven Israeli VYC composers ranging in age from 9 to 15. All were well-prepared in musical knowledge, 
quite common in Israel, and all had pieces in varying degrees of readiness for our ensembles to play. They were accompanied by six adults, including Hannah Ayashvili herself, parents, and a newspaper reporter from Tel Aviv. The students were Yaniv, Tamar, Amit, Eva, Nadia, Alon, and Naama. We had two concerts. Let me explain the first. Going back, starting about 2011, I had happily convinced management and artistic that of the four special Saturday afternoon concerts that the Philharmonic presented in the main hall, that one of the talkback sessions occurring immediately afterward should be devoted to a VYC event. My strategy was that for the audience that remained, which usually was about half of the 2,000-plus listeners, we would treat them to an international array of music composed by our VYC affiliates abroad, as well as our own New York kids, all of whom would be present to introduce their own music. Our chamber orchestra included about 10 New York Philharmonic members who volunteered, yeah, to perform and also to give up their Saturday morning to rehearse the works which were often surprisingly virtuosic and complex. I could usually count on the Philharmonic's associate conductor, which was often J.D. Gerson, to conduct rehearsal and performance. Ah, what performers and composers we had! We had already had one Israeli adolescent, Kamel, who composed an amazing piece for solo clarinet and ensemble. You know, I, I, I wish I could start naming the performers' names here, so deserving, but then I'd never stop. <laughs> and also, I'd probably leave out somebody by chance. Anyway, the Philharmonic's contract with the stage crew specified that we had to be absolutely off the stage 45 minutes after the main concert ended. Timing was everything, and very expensive if we went even a minute over. Anyway, at this post-matinee concert, May 20th, 2017, we had five very young composers. Nina, Chichi, Cassandra, Naama, and Milad. Since the world was in the throes of the crisis in the Middle East, our composers opted to write music that addressed in some way that world issue. Nina, Chichi, and Cassandra were our own shining New York City VYC bridge kids. So proud of them. Milad Yusufi was a recent refugee from Afghanistan, no less, who became one of our visiting teaching artists that year. He'd been introduced to me by Mary Kuyungjian, one of our bridge teaching artists. In my interview, of him on stage, Milad, who was 19 or 20 years old, spoke to the audience of having to practice music hidden and muffled in his basement because music was forbidden in his hometown. The work that he wrote for us, called Bravery, was identifiably Asian or Middle Eastern in sound and of such complex, infectious, and driving rhythms and melodies that the audience immediately rose to a standing ovation. But back to Naama from Israel. If you've been listening or reading these scenes of my life in The Very Young Composers, you already know 
that I hesitate to shine a spotlight on a particular student or VYC work. Number one, because the program is founded on the axiom that all children are creative, complex, and potentially capable of producing compelling art. And number two, because I, or we, can often misjudge a child's work and potential at first. But on the other hand, I'm not a rigid purist. We've seen that some children are able to focus intensely, to do the work, and occasionally produce a miracle. And furthermore, that that particular child can serve as an inspiration for others, not just outshining or shaming them. And so it is with Naama. At the age of nine, going on ten, she had already grasped the agony and the trauma of refugees having to flee the war in Syria and the Middle East. Beyond that, she had enough musical knowledge and resources in her musical toolbox, as we call it, to express that feeling in an instrumental work. Entitled Keep Walking, she seemed to encompass the entire inner anguish of a young refugee, endlessly walking, leaving, escaping from one camp to another in search of safety. Building to a screaming climax, the work then steps back, quiet, apprehensive, as if wondering if peace will ever be found. And the work ends equivocally, without an answer. A reassuring chord in the strings alternates against a silently sinister dissonance in the winds. And in the background, the clock is ticking. Time is running out. I programmed Naama's work several times, even taking it to Finland for a performance with the Helsinki Philharmonic. I asked her if she could make a full orchestration of her work, which she not only did, but achieved some amazing instrumental strokes. For instance, adding the harp as the clock ticking at the end, vivid enough to make the hair stand on the back of your neck. She came to Helsinki for that performance with her mother and her grandmother. At dinner one night, I asked her pointedly, Nama, tell me really now, did you do all that orchestration yourself? She answered with her chin up, almost pouting. Yes, I did, and it was a lot of hard work. As for the Israeli kids back in New York, both concerts went quite well, and all the Israeli and American students wrote works, each of which contained at least some spark of brilliance. Hannah and Rick Carrick and I have kept up a correspondence, still trying to fundraise to organize another exchange of students from there to here and from here over to there. It does seem, according to Hannah, 
that the exchange marked a flurry of creativity among her students at Or Yehuda and elsewhere in Israel. Ted also later remarked, John, it looks like all your trouble was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> 